This is the Epilogue Audio Experience. Hi, I'm Bhavna Samaya on Epilogue Media. Welcome to my podcast show, Meri Kahani, the third season of the show called Game Changers. This series involves players who have seriously changed the business of entertainment and so we feature chairmen, CEOs and big executives in the media entertainment. There are many ways to introduce Raj Nayak. You can say he's a media maverick. You can say he combines creativity with business. You can say he turns the fortunes of companies he works for. The CEO of Colors founder and managing director of present house of cheers my guest today is the forever smiling rajnayak so the last time i met you mr rajnayak was at the colors office surrounded by all the glory and the grandeur and we had a cup of coffee together and yes. after that uh, i think uh, we worked on the award show together yeah a lot has changed a lot has flown under the bridge since then So how has the journey been after you decided to quit from there Journey has been very exciting and it was a conscious journey that I chose to take uh you know when you get into corporate life and you get a lot of bells and whistles that comes along with the chair that you occupy uh you get carried away you know you get carried away because there's a lot of adulation you're drawing a six figure salary and everything is at your command and uh, it is a trapping that you don't want to let go you know and one of the most difficult things in life is to let go so i have a story here to tell years ago and i used to those days work for ndtv and uh, part of my job of course you know basically i started my career in sales that's sales and marketing that's how i've grown up the ladder a uh, creative came much later in my life I was on a flight from Bombay to Goa in business class and uh, on the other side there was a gentleman and I was sitting on one end I recognized the gentleman he was the CEO of Hindustan Lever Limited his name was Nitin Paranjpe I was quite excited because he was my client and I had never met the CEO of the company when the plane took off I quietly walked up to him gave him my card and said sir my name is Raj Naik and I'm from NDTV and he said come come sit down and we started chatting and there was something that i noticed at that time he was wearing a full uniform of hul unilever and we were going to goa and i was in my shorts and in my kids and we were going for the same function so i told him why would you come to goa uh, in a you know full uniform and shoes and things like that and he was speaking there he was a speaker he said something very interesting to me He said Raj sometimes you know even when I go to office maybe I may not wear it but when I'm called as a speaker anywhere I wear this uniform so I wanted to know why he said because they are not calling Nitin Paranjpe they are calling the CEO of Hindustan Lever and wearing this uniform reminds me about it wow and that to me stuck like a you know it you know some things when people tell you it just sticks and that told me everything about the person he's a very dear friend of mine now uh, he is now the ceo of unilever global but but the thing is that to me established the person the who he was the character the character and that also told me a small thing about life sometimes it's not you so when i joined colors later in life 
first thing I told myself, because again, in, in glamour industry, you know, everybody, you have access to everybody and everybody wants to meet you and you want to meet everybody. First thing I told myself is, Raj Naik, this is not you. It's your chair. And that I kept reminding myself every day. So when I had to let go, it was the easiest decision of my life. You know, uh, it's like the influences that you gather and yeah. how you absorb them. Yes. That also speaks a lot about your character and how you were raised and what kind of values you were given by your parents. So what kind of a childhood did you have? Where did you grow up? Whose influences worked on you? I was born in Ahmedabad in Gujarat. But when I was about one year old, maybe my parents shifted. We belong to South Kendra district. Mm-hmm. Okay, uh, uh, Udupi, you must have heard. So very close to Udupi is Manipal. Mm. That's where I was raised. And then I went to different schools, different places. But the biggest influence in my life uh, was partly my father, but mostly my mother. And my father was a freedom fighter, you know, uh, till the day he died. My mother used to get a pension of 250 rupees from the government of India. But unfortunately, maybe I was too young. I didn't realize the value of parents. So probably that's one regret I will always have, that I was the black sheep of the family and I was a little bit of a rebel. And, uh, you know, the family I came from in Karnataka, in uh, Manipal, you became a doctor or an engineer. If you didn't do that, you joined a bank because all the banks were Mangalore banks. Okay. And I did neither. I was doing something completely different. But when my father passed away, and that's a long story, but when my father passed away... This was in which year? My father passed away in 1994. Okay. And that time, how old were you? I must have been 26, 27. Okay. Okay. But once he passed away, it hit me like a... Bolt. Bolt. And... Probably that's when my life changed for the better. Okay, I was just married and I just had a kid. Post that, uh, my life revolved around my mother because then I suddenly realized the value of not having somebody. Sometimes you need to, only when you don't have something that you realize. And my mother then became a big influence on me. There would not be a single day I would have left home without speaking to her. I would get into the car and the first call would be to my mother. And it was so funny. It was so funny because... Later in life, I can remember, when she was 80 plus, there was nothing new we would speak every day. We used to speak in Konkani and I used to say, And uh, take care of yourself. How's your wife? How's your child? Uh, don't do anything wrong. Be good. These are typical what a mother would tell her son. And that would be something that would be like a stuck record every day. But every time I spoke to her, I knew it would make her happy and it would make me happy. I would get energized. I would get things. And so she was a big influence on my life. My mother got her first passport at the age of 81 because by that time I was doing well in life and I was like, I have to take my mother abroad. Again, that is another regret I'll have. I didn't go, but I booked four business class tickets for my mother, my brother, my sister and my niece. And I asked her where she she would like to travel, right? Because I wanted her. So she said, I'll go to Dubai. I said, why Dubai of all places in this world? (laughs) She had some of her relative's daughter living there. So So she felt more comfortable going there. So So I put her uh, on the Emirates uh, Hotel in Dubai, uh, the Kempinski in Dubai, which is above the Emirates Mall. She went. She came back. And that's one regret I'll have because I did not go. And that's another thing I learned. She didn't want 
the plane ticket and she wanted me to come along. Yes. Later in life, it, you know, these are regrets you'll always have. But at that moment, my work, my job, whatever it was, you know, I, I prioritized wrongly probably. Mm-hmm. But the thing is, when she came back, uh, she was one person who had tremendous influence and tremendous wisdom in everything she said. You know, she used to always say, fight an issue, never fight the person. Mm. Fight the issue, don't mm. fight the person. She would always say, never shut the door on somebody, keep it ajar a little. Wow. Okay. And she had a great sense of humor. So she knew she's going to die. It's another matter. She lived up to the age of 97. So she used to joke. She used to tell me in Konkani, my plane ticket has come, my passport has come, but I'm waiting for my visa to go up. Nice. She used to joke about yes. death. She she had this great ability to joke about death. Yes. And obviously giving you advice saying, be good to your brothers and sisters. After mm-hmm. I go, please make sure that you both, you're all united, you yeah. stay together. It's all about family and things like that. And she was a woman who had tremendous, tremendous knowledge for the simple reason, all she did in the day was surf between surf channels and news channels mm. and read. Mm. At the age of even 85, 86, she would read four or five newspapers a day. Wow. Two Kannada newspapers mm. and three English newspapers. Mm. She would read. So her knowledge about either politics or sports or anything would be far superior to any of us. So then once I went to thing and she's, you know, later in life, she was joking and she was so well informed. She told me, you know, Richard Branson has launched this rocket that's going to the space. Now my passport has come, visa has come, my ticket has come. And she said something very interesting. She said, I've traveled by cycle. I've traveled by, you know, those days when they they used to travel by steamer from Bombay to Mangalore. I've traveled by steamer. I've traveled by boat, horse cart, bullock cart, truck, jeep, car, aeroplane also. She said, maybe he wants me to go up in in the the rocket. That's why I'm still alive, you know. So she used to joke. She had this great sense of humor. And uh, she was very clear about two things that never compromise on your integrity for whatever reason. And never your moral compass should always, you know. Show the right figure. Right figure. So I think she was a great influence in my life. And to a large extent, she was contented. You know, one of the biggest things that she taught us is, in Kannada there is to be a song It's uh, which says, Kodua nella kodua na undu innu ke Makanda is not so... Good. But Can basically, you it's, it? Can you hum it? I can't. Uh-huh. <laughs> but what it says is, always be grateful for what you have. Why are you more greedy? Something like that. Mm. And she was a very contented woman. And she's been through lots of ups and downs. We have seen her. I'm a firm believer that you, it's not what you're taught. It is what your parents do or what people around you do that you learn by observing. And for me, the best example of that is my mother looked after her mother when she was, same, 95, 96. Her mother lived as well for a long time, right? And she used to take care of her like nobody's business. Those days, no nurses, no help, nothing. But my mother used to take care. That somewhere played a big role in her children. So all of us, me, my, of course, I lost my brothers now, only my two sisters are left. But we as a family, by default, ended up doing the same. We would do anything for our mother. And luckily, my wife, She's also the same. I mean, she comes from a background where she would do anything for her parents. And so there wasn't difference between her parents and my parents, we, you know, because mm-hmm. I'm a firm believer also that if you respect your own parents, 
then your spouse will respect your parents and vice versa. So going by all the compassion and the wisdom that yeah. you got from your mother, yeah. how did you use it as a team player in your work sphere? Uh, because in the initial days, you were not a leader. Yeah. Uh, see, or were you always a leader in the first job? I think, I, think I, I don't know whether I'm still a leader. Huh. But I think what happens is uh, you don't try to be somebody. You're not contesting an election. Then it's a different thing, right? Uh, but you don't try to be somebody. I think the first and foremost thing is you have to be yourself. If you're genuine and if you're consistent, because people will see through you, okay? You cannot fake anything for 50, 60 years of your life. You can't do that because somebody will see through you. Absolutely. Okay? But if you're genuine and if you're consistent and even if you have, and to have the ability to say no, you know, don't try to please everybody because if you say no, for that particular moment, the person will feel a little bad, but it, he'll at least respect you because he'll say, at least he had the courtesy of telling me this can't be done. And another thing which I learned is, don't say no, say why not. If Bhavnaji comes to me tomorrow and I'll say, I'm not able to do it. If you say no, it leaves her disappointed. Explain to her, Bhavnaji, I want to do this for you, but I don't want to Then, automatically, it resolves all the issues. You know, my mother used to say, never say no. Yeah. My mother used to say, that say yes, even if you're not able to cope. Because after you say yes, you can always say a no. That I tried, but it's not happening. But if you say no, you cannot say a yes. Yes. So this is a lit, a bit like your mother asking yeah. you to keep the door ajar. Yeah. So so it was like, say, I would say, why not? Okay. And if I could do something irrespective, I'm related, know the person, don't know the person, I would say, it's not costing me anything. I would just make that one phone call or one recommendation letter. Or if I could help directly, I would do that. So... How did you start on your career? You said that, you know, you didn't join the bank, you didn't no. become an engineer, so, you didn't become so, a doctor. So I'm, uh, uh, I call myself destiny's child. Okay. okay. Everything in my life has happened by default. Nothing has happened planned. Okay. Even now my house of cheer is not a planned thing, right? I, I, when I quit, I quit. I didn't plan ki me kya karne wala. Mm. I, uh, for whatever reason, I moved on. You know, the thing was when you're a small town boy and, uh, of course, I lived in Bangalore for a couple of years, but Bangalore is still, those days, was considered small town. So, a land of opportunities was Bombay. Right. That's what everybody said. Bombay is the thing, okay? Uh, people never went abroad those days, unless you either came from affluent families or you studied abroad. Yes. So, Bombay was the So, I came to Bombay looking for a job like anybody else. And you were how old that time? Must have been 22 or something. Huh. Whatever, I don't remember. Finished uh, your yeah, basic education. Yeah, basic education. And I came to Bombay. And uh, after some period of time, you, desperation sets in. Absolutely. Okay, because you realize that it's not what you see in the movies. It's not what you imagined. You ca It's not about Mukaddar Kasikandar. And, you know, it's, it's real a life. life. It's a struggle. And I'm grateful to a lot of people for not giving me a job. Because had they given me a job, probably my career would have been in some other direction. Yes. So my first job was Tata Economic Consultancy Services. Okay. That was my first job. And it's such a strange thing that the person who gave me my job, I met him after 25 years last week in a friend's house and he was there. Uh -huh. Okay. Yeah. So, so, but it was nice. So that was my first job. Life comes a full yeah, circle. Like a, life comes a full circle. And uh, there was this uh, magazine called The Economic Scene that they used to publish. Okay. And uh, I started 
as joined them as a consultant where it was partly research but more mostly selling space for right. that magazine yes and then i realized that it doesn't make much money uh, my first salary was 1600 rupees and 600 rupees traveling allowance okay and 1600 600 rupees went only for my pg accommodation and then then 1600 rupees wasn't really enough to Absolutely. but but it's okay but those days most of the clients agencies were in nariman point in that area so you could walk you didn't have to take a cab and go yes uh, and in now it's all spread out those days everything was concentrated only i remember there was some uh, sistas and enterprise and all which was in worli only godrej you went out that you took a train and went and things like that so that's when i decided i'm also going to try my hand at writing but i wasn't a good writer but, but you were a good reader i was a good reader so i went and did a supplement on the united arab emirates because my boss told me whatever business you get from there we will give you a commission on it apart from your salary huh. so i those days went to the uh, embassy the indo uae chamber of commerce got the list of all the clients and i got a ticket and went to dubai mm-hmm. and i interviewed Morris Flanagan the first uh, managing director of But Emirates But have you ever interviewed never, before? Never never. So just doing it Yeah because that. I had a friend in the company who told me take this tape recorder Fabulous. you interview and bring it back I'll transcribe it for you. Fabulous. So I was I was intelligent enough to ask the right questions. I didn't need anybody to guide you. Guide me on that. I mean I can carry on a conversation like I'm carrying on with you right <laughs> now, right? So I went and interviewed Manu Chabria who yeah. was then in a controversy on Shawales. at the peak of the controversy i interviewed him and he was the chairman of jumbo electronics in dubai i interviewed uh, the chairman of emirate airlines uh, morris flanagan who then i kept in touch with i interviewed the indian ambassador to uae at that time called ishrat aziz i interviewed uh, quite a few people the galadaris and the khalij times those days uh, and i printed my own rate card whatever we were charging in rupees i made it in dollars and took it there so they all gave me ads i came back with the ads the company earned a lot of money in dollars but when they gave me 10% of that in dollars it was like my annual salary in one month's time fabulous so but that suddenly got the better of me and i said okay this is a great thing to do and then uh, so i started working with the embassies in india uh, there used to be an agency there's a gentleman called I mean, they are famous agency now. They are one of the biggest PR agencies called Ad Factors, Rajesh Chaturvedi and Madanpal. Okay. Okay. So, so they used to do a lot of this. All these embassies used to do supplements. So, by which time I had moved on and joined Indian Post with Vinod Mehta. So and now you were thinking of yourself as a full-fledged journalist. No, I continued in ads because I realized journalists get paid less than advertisers. Yes, sales, yes, uh, sales yes. So you were selling space. I was selling space, but I learned the art of. how to monetize through this embassies you know it was a big thing so yes. and i partnered with these people so we do iraq supplement iran supplement and all kinds of supplements those days the supplements were the were biggest big source thing. of income it was huge right and uh, so that would happen and then i moved on and uh, i decided to get married and uh, i couldn't get married in bombay my wife lived in kafpur jalimika 3 those days i used to live at the ymca in kolaba and your parents find the girl or you found the girl we found each other hmm. and my parents were fine they one thing i can say about my parents they were the most liberal parents they could say you can go and marry anybody and they wouldn't have a say about it they, but they had only one condition 
you have to be able to support your family and stand on your feet. As long as you can do that, do yeah, okay. Work. yeah, okay. So she lived in Kafpurid and I couldn't manage. So I took a transfer. I went and joined a company in Bangalore. Uh, those days, uh, Dalmias had launched a newspaper called the Sunday Mail. So I took over as the regional manager for the South. We launched the edition from Chennai. And that was a journey until I joined Star TV. That was my big break. This was in which year? 1992. Okay. 92 is, uh, and I joined uh, Sunday Mail in 1990, but in 1992 came my big break. And who was heading at that time? There was no Star TV in India. Okay. There was a liaison office which had just started, and there was a gentleman called Siddharth Ray who had just been appointed in India. And I knew him because he had worked with me in the newspaper that I was working in Sunday Mail. So he told me they are looking for people. Why don't you apply? And uh, I applied, and it's a long story again. I actually didn't get the job. After, you know, I got my interview done, they flew me to Hong Kong, they put me at the Furama Kempinski, everything, and I had almost like resigned from my job, thinking it's now all done, yeah. and I didn't get the job. It's another matter, six months later, I got the job. So what was the reason? No, because at that time I was in Bangalore, and they didn't want to hire anybody in Bangalore. Okay. Okay, and uh, so it was, so I said no job. But later, I had moved to Delhi, because uh, I had resigned this job, so I had no job, so Vinod Mehta had come to Bangalore. And I told Vinod, I said, uh, you know, this is the truth. I have quit. This is what happened. Now I don't have a job. He said, come and work with me. Because I'd worked with him in post. He said, come to Delhi. I said, only one condition. You'll pay me one rupee more salary so that I feel I'm earning yes. one rupee more. But more importantly, you will give me a house of my choice. Because, you know, I'm married. I've got a kid and we are used to Bangalore. So give me a, I want at house. least a two-bedroom, three-bedroom house. That's the only thing. So he said, okay, fly down to Delhi, look at the houses and all. And then I realized Delhi those days, my God, were all DDA flats and this and that. So there was no way I would move. Okay, because they wouldn't give me a bungalow in New Friends Colony, right? And then I happened to see a flat in Mayur Vihar in a place called IFS Apartments. And I loved it. Great company. It was very close to Badusha Zafar close to my office. So it didn't matter. So I joined him. And because Star at that time had asked me to pay for your own ticket and they'll reimburse. They had not paid me my money. So I wrote back to them saying, whatever it is. Yeah. And that's when they saw, the guy who had interviewed me saw it, that I'm based in Delhi and he said, Why don't you come? Would you still be interested in the job? And I said, of course, depends on the terms and conditions. And uh, they said, okay, go to our office in Delhi and you know we'll fax some thing. I went and saw the fax. I quickly signed it and sent it back thinking, what if they change their mind? Huh. And that was it. It was a small thing because Star Office, when we started, was not bigger than the studio. You're talking Delhi? Delhi. Huh. And Delhi and Bombay. Both offices. Bombay uh, Star operated from a uh, from a business center. Nariman Point. Nariman Point. And then also the office wasn't bigger than this. Hmm. So Delhi and Bombay were two offices. So I was the sixth employee of Star TV in India. We started the company in this country. I mean, think about it. Every My go God. About. When you go back and think about it, you can say I was... First. Founding team of Star TV yeah. in India. I joined as area sales manager for North and East. And what did your uh, my job was to, uh, selling advertising time for Star. So from print you had moved on to to television, electronic, electronic. And it was a uh, you know just going and telling somebody that I work with Star TV was like what people tell today about uh, Netflix, Google, Amazon, Apple. Now has become passe. You yes. know that the, time it was huge. Yeah, that was it was huge, right? So it was like. If you did a deal, 
Mr. Godrej would want to meet you, Mr. Berman would want to meet you. It was it was done at top levels those days, and uh, so there was no looking back post that. I started as an area sales manager. I went on to become the executive vice president of the Star TV network. I was on the managing committee, and uh, one fine morning, I decided to quit. But you lasted there for how long? <laughs> Ten years. So you have. A... So I, so I moved. I've always stayed long. I've never. I've never jumped jobs. You know, you remind me of myself because I also have a DNA of staying at least a decade. I'm a firm believer switching jobs and reaching some designation, or which is all illusionary. But anyway, means nothing. Hmm. If you stay in an organization and you grow within that organization, that means you have achieved something because the organization that means has valued you, and you both valued each other. Right. A good example is Pradeep Goa in Times of India. He stayed for a long time and he grew to a certain position. He must have quit. So I quit Star in uh, 2001. Somewhere I felt something didn't happen the way I wanted it to happen. And it was just an emotional decision and I quit. But what happened was, I can talk about it today, it wasn't taken very well because I was too close. I was loved by everybody. Even today, I have a great relationship with the organization. Mm -hmm. But uh, I don't know what happened. So they filed a case against me in the High Court of Mumbai. But all good things, even today, the court document says that he was a great employee, fabulous employee. If he leaves, the company will uh, go through a turmoil, so we can't let him go. And the thing. I had signed a contract which was ending in the next nine months. And that all, I had signed just one year before, which at, you know, when you're working in an organization for a long time, you don't really bother. But anyway, uh, but nothing negative. So that was good. I think it was just a, it was a no compete kind of a thing. But we resolved it outside of court. Okay. And uh, then I went on to launch NDTV for Dr. Pranoy Roy. What did you learn from Star TV when this court case came about? And finally, of course, you attended amicably. Yeah. What was your takeaway? That do you have to read your contract a couple of times before? No, see, on? actually, when I joined Star, there was no contract. So nine years down the line, one day they told you that, you know, we are going public in the UK, Sky Global, and we want to show all our senior management is intact. So we are giving you one share and we just need to do some paperwork. And when you work in an organization for so long, I was never dreaming that I leave, right? I thought that's my retirement. Yeah. So you never look at contracts. And even ask the company lawyers, you know, one of your colleagues, he's your yes, colleague. Yes. So I signed and gave. I didn't realize when I quit, it'll come to haunt me. But, but that's life. So there was an injunction against me. And the compromise also happened when the full judge of the Bombay High Court was constituted to listen to the case start to finish and finish it. That's when Star called me and said, let's do a settlement because I knew that, they also knew that. It's going too far. And also they would never win because mm. it's your fundamental right according to the constitution. You cannot stop anybody from earning their livelihood. Mm. But it was okay. But all's well that ends well. I'm in great relationship yeah. with Star. So how long were you without a... Nine months. Okay. Yeah, that was probably the most uh, difficult phase of my life because my kids were very small. And I self felt that I had done everything. And I was like, if you go back that time, you see, I was like almost tipped to take over. And things were going hunky-dory. And suddenly, you know, when you're without a job, it was not about the job because it was not about the money. It is just the frustration that you can't work or you can't do anything because there's an injunction, court injunction. And I used to those days wear a tie and suit and go to work every day. Uh, it was part of my DNA. People used to joke, to suit me sota hai. And so my kids were small and, and I would never shave. I would be at home and they said, Daddy, you're not going to work. 
Daddy, how come you're unshaven? And it would frustrate me and I would, uh, uh, I would be irritated and things like that, right? I was lucky because one thing you should try and do, never go to a court. Because half the time you can't even hear what they're saying mm. and they're, they're deciding about you. But uh, I used to go from Jew to high court and I used to pray. I'm not religious, but I believe in God. So from Jew, there's a church mm. outside my house. When you come outside uh, uh, Abinaya Road, there's a church. Till Bombay High Court. There's this church. Then there is this uh, Mahim Church. Then there's Shitla Devi Temple. Then there is Magdum Shadarga. Then there is, uh, what do you say, Siddhi Vinayak. Then there's Babulnath. You know, I would know, I can even today close my eyes and go in a car. And when it comes, I will either do like this or do like this because I was to pray on my way to the court. You know, that was a tough phase. And uh, What were you praying for? I just wanted to be free because I suddenly felt... Trapped. Trapped. And I wanted to get back to work. Because have a normal life. I wanted to have a normal life. and uh, But one thing I learned during that time is it also tells you who your friends are, who are not your friends. Yes. And surprise. Who are there for the chair. Yeah, and a lot of people who came forward out of the blue to help me were people whom I didn't even either know or people whom I just, I wouldn't even imagine that this quarter the help would arrive from. And Kapil Sibyl was my lawyer. and uh, But things turned out well. And, you know, when and, you lose and, a job or you leave a job, the first thing you lose is your identity. It's because you're so associated closely with that brand that it's almost like a surname. So, so what happens is, uh, and that's the that's what you most people make the mistake of identifying themselves with the brand. I was very lucky. I don't think I did it consciously, so I can't take credit for it. By default, first time I didn't identify with the bond. Uh, with the thing by default for the simple reason because I'd grown up the ladder from bottom to up. Yes. Second time when I went on the top, I consciously didn't identify me- myself with the brand. I kept it separate. It's another matter. People may pursue me, Colors and Rajnaik, right? I mean, it, mm. it, people may pursue me. But I always believe one thing. Institutions are always bigger than individuals. Absolutely. And nobody should ever think that you're bigger than the institution. Mm. And end of the day, your bread and butter so today Viacom, eight years, has fed me, has fed my family, has given me all this, whatever I've learned in the last eight years. So always be grateful. So I will always, ever, you will never see even during the court cases happening, me uttering a single word against our star hasn't done, but I, I've quit Viacom and I will always ever be grateful for the fact that they gave me that opportunity to sit on the chair and do my job. Yeah, I may have contributed and it's mutual. So okay. what happened after that? After the court case was done? Then uh, I joined Pranoy. I launched uh, NDTV channels for Dr. Pranoy Roy. Hmm. And what uh, was your profile there? I, uh, we set up a company called NDTV Media Limited. Media Limited, I which, remember. Which I was the CEO. Yes. So we ran it. I had a stake also in that company. And we ran it for about... So uh, again, it was about getting the space? Yeah, it, uh, it was doing space. marketing, sales, everything. Because NDTV, uh, Pranoy and his team were more into editorial hmm. and production. But the other business part of the thing, yes. they had no expertise. Yes. So I brought that to the table, the business side of it. So you, know, you, you have traveled many places, big uh, institutions. What did you absorb from NDTV? Because NDTV has been the leader, one of the oldest. I worked uh, very close with Dr. Roy and mm-hmm. Radhika Roy. One thing I've learned from them is integrity. 
okay? And one thing, I've also seen them. I've seen actually in action. And that is to be my, uh, my problem because, you know, being a commercial guy, I would want to get things done. But Pranav would be very clear. He would be willing to let go of the business, but wouldn't compromise on certain values. And for me, that says a lot about the people and somebody whom I immensely respect yes. even today. I may have left him for professional reasons. Yes. Like I said, you fight the issue, never the person. So I must have left him for whatever reason. Mm. Professionally, we may have had a disagreement, mm. but as an individual, somebody whom I immensely respect. Mm. So then after NDTV? After NDTV, I tried my hand at setting my own company. I did it for a setup company called Adam Ventures, which I sold later. I was running it when... Out of the blue, Colors offered me the job. But what was that company going to do? That company, we were handling Microsoft uh, MSN business in India. We are handling a lot of company businesses in India, sales, marketing and consulting. And we're doing very well. And out of the blue, then I was actually called and I didn't even want to take this job. Huh. Uh, so this friend of mine called Sai, who used to be with Network 18, he told me, to I said, I don't want so he said, just go meet them and come. No, you don't take the job. <laughs> so I said, where do I have to go? He said, New York. I said, book the ticket while because my daughter was studying there. Correct. So he said, okay. So I said, fine, I'll go. Tomorrow one trip to New York and come the back. The agenda is to meet the daughter. Yeah, daughter. So <laughs> that was it. Then he said, the meeting has shifted to London. I said, oh shit. He said, okay. Go on a Friday night, Saturday, the lunch and then Saturday night you leave, there'll be a car at your disposal, Sunday you come back. So I went, uh, when I landed in Heathrow, there was an Audi 8 waiting for me and it took me to the Langham Hotel, my hotel was booked and my meeting was on the River Thames in a restaurant. So I went there and I was not bothered, right? At least at that moment, I was not thinking about the job. So what will you have, you know? I said, I'll have some champagne, I'll have some lobster, uh, uh, raw oysters, Okay, we'll also have the same. So we had a discussion till about 2.30, nothing, not discussing about work only. So that was it. And then I was thinking I'd taken an empty suitcase. I had to bring some gifts for my children. So I need time because the airport flight is back at 9. So around 3 o'clock, I said, listen, I have to leave because I have another, I'm meeting somebody else. And then that last half an hour, I said, what what is your plan for colors? And And I was like, oh, it's a great channel. And, you know, I really, again, not very thinking. And then I came back to India and on a Monday I had a phone call, a one-hour phone call with now the current global CEO of Viacom. At that time he was the international head of Viacom, a gentleman called Bob Buckish. So we had a one-hour, one, one-and-a-half-hour phone call where he also got excited because he said, I also started my career in sales and things like that. And then they made me an offer I couldn't refuse. So I said, but it was actually shifting lanes. Yeah, so, so I, and they're like, okay. You so know, I, you were a business guy correct. and they put you yeah, in yeah. creativity. You should give the credit to them for taking that risk. But was that worrying you? It wasn't worrying me because I had only one thought in mind. Huh, that the package is good, I'll do it. No, 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 no. Package wasn't, uh, the uh, package has never been, money has never been okay. my motivating factor. And I hope and pray that it never becomes. Okay. So that's why that doesn't bother me. Mm-hmm. You know, in, Star, I never got an opportunity to be at the top. Uh, yes. I came close to it. And you lost it. And I didn't I didn't get an opportunity. And somewhere, you know, maybe it was a hidden desire to be at the top, but then didn't want to do it. 
But one thing was there. I had exposure to content because even in Star, one of the things uh, used to be like, if we decided to buy a show or buy a program or something, you always ran it through the sales team to say, How does it go? How does, will it sell? There was yes. always an interaction, right? Yes. Like, for example, you were in screen those days. Yeah. The first deal of screen that happened with Star TV those days was yes. signed by me. And that is the time I joined in 2000. Okay. That was signed by me. Okay. okay. And that's how when I joined Colors, I brought screen to Colors because I knew the Yes, deal. the old association. Old association. No, coming back. My thought was very simple. I have my own ideas. I will execute it and I will put it to play. Two things can happen. Either I succeed or I fail. So the way I look at it is, I thought I was going to Harvard for a course on general entertainment management. Think about it that way. Mm. If I fail, I still went to Harvard. If I succeeded, I could do my PhD in Harvard. And that's what I did. I continued my PhD in colors. So all this thought process, is it happening in isolation or is it discussed with the wife? No, not discussed with anybody. I'm an impulsive guy. I take impulsive decisions and I go completely with my gut. And that reflected even in the, all the decisions I took at Wycom were purely gut. Go back a little and tell me the first day that you had to go to the colors office. Hmm. Uh, what was going on in your head in the morning? What was a kind of a routine you followed? Did you go to a temple? How did you approach your first day? How did you sit on that chair? How was the team to you? Strange you asked me that question. So what I did was the gentleman who was the CEO of Colors just before me, who actually started Colors. Okay, I joined one year later, one and a mm-hmm. half year later. But uh, there's a gentleman called Rajesh Kamath. Yes. Who, who's, Rajesh and I had worked together at Star. So we knew each other. Okay. So he messaged me to congratulate me and happy. So I called him and I said, you have to tell me what's the inside story, right? At least you have to give me some dope because I've not done this job before. Yeah. And he was very kind enough. He said, sir, Please tell me wherever, whenever I'll come and meet you and think. Because I was senior in Star. Uh, and uh, and Rajesh is a very brilliant, bright guy. I mean, a lot of things for color success goes to him. I only built on the foundation that he built. That's very nice of you to Which say. is the truth. So he came and met me at the Marriott. And so I told him you have to do me one favor. A, you have to come to the office and do a presentation to me, explaining to me everything. And two, you have to introduce me to every member of the team. Because if you introduce them, their acceptance will be faster. Wow. He said, done. So he came. But how nice of him to do that. Very nice. He's a, uh, and we are still good friends. Okay. And he came. He did a full presentation to me. But for whatever reason, I don't want to get into the detail of him. But it was not his decision. But some unsaid forces didn't want him to take me around and introduce me. So that, that ended that. I did the next best thing I could do. I walked to every table in the <laughs> office and said, hello, my name is Raj Naik. I've just joined the company. Mm. And that went down very well with the whole organization because they said, yes, you are our table and you know, that was, and somewhere I connected with them. And uh, it took me a little time to understand the workings of the thing. So I, I took almost six months to learn the Ropes. Ropes to, because I was absorbing. I was absorbing. I didn't make, except for one or two big decisions I took even then, just when I joined, as to not buying a big movie library from a big studio, because I felt that, uh, you know, one of the things Colors was doing was 
taking the prices of cinema up by paying exorbitant yes, prices. Yes, so yes. I made the decision. I of, remember all this. I made a decision of not buying. It went again upset some people within the company. Hmm. But other than that, programming I stayed out of to a large extent too, and I was still learning. What happens in a big corporate offices yeah. that there are wheels within wheels. Yeah. Particularly when you are right on the top. Yeah. And in your wonderful cabin. Yeah. Some things come on surface to you. A lot of things get pushed under the carpet. Yeah. So I think that's that's reality of life. And the only way to do that is, first of all, I don't know. You walked into my office in colors. My door has never been shut from the day I joined till the day I left. Okay. It used to be an open door office. Anybody could walk in anytime. Of course, if there are people sitting in my room, then somebody has to wait. But otherwise, uh, most often, at least people from the within the organization could walk anytime. Are you free and walk in and chat? And it, we had an, I had an open culture and I used to walk around the whole office. Whenever I was bored, I used to, because at the top, sometimes you have less work. People mm. think you have a lot of work. You have less work because everybody is doing the work, you're getting the credit. Okay. And, and I had only one KRA. Uh, the thing is, I believed that everybody who works with me, I should be able to motivate them to wake up in the morning and have that adrenaline rush to go to work. If that is one thing, if I could achieve, I didn't have to do anything. All the work would be done by the team. All the credit I would get. Okay, and that's that's what I followed. And all the success of Colors actually goes to the team that I worked for. I had a brilliant team, and they delivered on my vision, probably or partly our joint vision. There was a time when Colors had taken over all the channels. Yeah, many times. Yes, we stayed so, leaders for quite a long time. Yes. So how did it feel at that time? Because you were a reluctant... Uh... Yeah, I, I think, uh, you know, success gives you more confidence. Yes. Success gives you... It makes you... Uh, courageous. It makes you courageous. And I think for us, one of the things when I took over Colors was, at that time we were way down when I took it over, I looked at it differently. I said, we have nothing to lose we have lots to gain. Either you can go up or go So we took some bold decisions and that paid off. Mm. You know, people thought we were stupid, but we were not stupid. We did things because we believed in it. You know, people said that he doesn't know, you know, because we did a lot of Bollywood in most of our shows and things yes. like that, right? At one time, we had almost all the top award shows also. For yes. People said he's throwing money, but we were not throwing money. You know, my philosophy is very simple. Chavani feko to sikke ki jana chahiye. We would spend little, but we would create that impact, which was perceived as being very expensive. But we were not. We were very cautious. We were very conservative when it came to spending money because as a CEO, I was very clear on the top line and the bottom line of the company. When I met you, one of the things you had said was, um, you know, I'm not comfortable with this Bollywood actors and to be seen with them or to be moving with them is not my ambition. And then as years went by, one saw you sitting with all of them at your award shows. Yeah, even today. Because it's a part of life, isn't no, it? No, even today. You will, you will not come across me having taken a selfie with a single Bollywood actor till date. Never. The only person where I asked for a photograph and took was with Asha Bosliji. And that too, there's a story behind it. Mm. Okay, why I asked for it. But yeah, but in a social function, you're sitting in a press conference, photographs are being taken. That's a different thing. But Bollywood people... Actors and actresses, directors are all human beings. They're just like you and me. Of course. Okay. And uh, over a period of time, you work with people, you make relationships. Some become strong bonds and I've got some very strong bonds 
some fizzle out and some drift. And that's life. And that's not unique to Bollywood. You make some relationships within, even within your work. Some friends in your workplace, you become best friends, college. And some people who you thought was your best friend in college, you may not be in touch with because you've right. drifted, you got married, you move on. So that's life. So after a grand send-off from yeah. your team yeah. at The Colors and of almost a decade of being there, you moved out. Again, you made an impulsive decision or a spontaneous decision or followed your gut for whatever reason. And then how did this house of cheer come about? I'll tell you why I quit. Because there's a lot of you know speculation on why yes. I quit. You know, people say, oh, uh, it's not happy. Hakikat ye tha ki... I had done this job for almost seven and a half years, almost going to be eight years. When beauty fades away, you can see it. Correct. Right. When talent fades away, only you know it. Correct. Okay. Somewhere I felt I was not contributing. I was not getting new ideas. And I felt that I wasn't waking up in the morning feeling that I want to go to work. And then I said, Either I can sit back and that could be a passing phase. Yeah. It also happened at the time I lost my mother and just when I was recovering from that, my brother had cancer and before I knew Jack Robinson, within four months he died. So I had two deaths in the family simultaneously and you know, when that happened, somewhere probably that also impacted me a little saying there's much more to life beyond what you're doing. Also, like I said, I would wake up in the morning not having that adrenaline rush. And I could have either sat back and collected a fat check mm. and lived my life and continued because the organization loved me. I loved everybody. We had a great relationship. So there was no any reason for me to get. But somewhere I felt if I was not contributing, I was not happy. Let me put it this way. If I have to use one word, I wasn't happy. And then I said, Raj, your Twitter handle is Raj Cheerful. <laughs> so if you're not happy, what the hell are you doing here? And then I decided I'll quit. I want to be happy. Prasun Joshi's wife asked me, you know, we met at uh, Wellington Club. She said, Kya karne wale ho? I said, Mujhe pata nahi. Main patangu. You know, I was tied to a stone. Nice. And I was feeling restless. Restless. Hmm. So she said, you're, you're becoming a poet. Why poet, don't you yeah. <laughs> join Prasun? You know, so we joked about it. Yeah. But that was reality. I was not happy and I just quit. Uh, and once I quit, I didn't know what I wanted to do. I had one or two job offers. So then I said, again, I'm getting back into the same rut. Okay, it's a different profile, different thing, different company, different uh, image. But, but I'm getting back into the same rut. So I didn't do anything. I went on a holiday. I went to Maldives. I went to Masai Mara, I went to Japan, all the places which I wanted to do, which I always had it in my wish list. I did, came back, then I went to the US to visit my daughter. And that's when I was there, I was telling my daughter and my wife, I said, I'm not happy, I'm planning to quit. You know? And this just before quitting. And uh, now I'd gone to my daughter before quitting. I did my holidays afterwards. But uh, so I told them, they said, if you're not happy, you should live. So once you had a buy-in from the family saying, do what makes you happy, so that's when I quit. And uh, then I went on these holidays. I came back. And then I said, what do I do? So I, uh, by the time a colleague of mine had quit, I said, why did you quit? Mato, I had a reason to. I was not happy. I said, <laughs> that makes two of us. Okay, so I said, what, what went wrong? Nothing, nothing went wrong. It's just that I was not enjoying it. 
So she, so we said, okay, let's start something. And I had different ideas to do things. So she said, what should we name the company? I said, let's think of a name. She said, let's call it House of Cheer. You're rather cheerful. So let's call it House of Cheer. I want to stop you here and ask you, what is this uh, obsession with cheer? It again happened by default. Huh. I told you, you know, in my life, whatever has happened by default. Hmm. When I quit Star TV hmm. that time, hmm. I didn't know how to use a computer. Hmm. I had never used a computer. Hmm. I came from the old school. Hmm. So my secretary used to take printouts. I used to write on printouts. She used to then type it. I used to travel those days to Delhi. I stayed over in Delhi. She used to courier the packet to Delhi over in the night. I used to write, courier it back to Bombay. Then she would type and send out the replies. That was how we used to work, right? This was in which year? 2001. I didn't know how to use a computer. Anyway, I learned to use a computer in 2007. So I'm even worse than you. So that time, I didn't even know how to open an email account. My company's email account was not. So I told my daughter, she was in her 8th standard or 9th standard, please, can you open an email account for me because I need to communicate. So she said, what do you want? I said, Raj Naik at Hotmail. Hotmail. She said, no, that's damn boring, daddy. She opened Raj Grouchy at Hotmail.com. So I said, are you crazy? She said, that's who you are. But for the outside world, I will create another ID for you. She created Raj Cheerful at Hotmail.com, which later became Raj Cheerful at Gmail.com and things like that. Also Insta, also Twitter. Everything. Then I stuck to it. So then it became a word that stuck to my name. Then I said, anything I did, I said Raj Cheerful. And then what happened is I ended up becoming cheerful Cheerful, because I I started believing in it and I started living that image. And now I have always seen you smiling. I always smile and uh, the grouchy comes at home sometimes. Mm. So tell me, what does House of Cheer do? Because it's a little confusing. Yeah, you're the, uh, many journalists have tried to find this out because <laughs> I haven't put out a release. I haven't spoken to anybody. The only thing I did was on Ganesha Truti, they put out a tweet and a Facebook and a LinkedIn message saying, I've started this company. Okay. I joke about it when people ask me, what does House of Cheer do? I say anything that gives us happiness and anything that gives us money. Mm. It has to be one of the two. In fact, I'm even planning to put a board out saying, enter only if you're carrying happiness, money, ideas or connections. Ah, we have everything. I have everything. I will enter. So will Abhijit yeah, yeah. and AP yeah. Log Media. Yeah, yeah. So, so we we joke about it. No, but House of Cheer. I mean, the the thought process is we are building, uh, planning to build a business in the area of happiness. We are working on a product. Uh, we want to create and curate content, creating content, also in creating original ourselves and curating a lot of people who have great ideas, great content, but they don't know how to go about it or how to pitch it. Uh, in some cases, we will even uh, onboard them, spend on development, and make it happen. So that's that's where the space is. But it's still besides a little, this, it be- is still a little vague. So is it uh, movie scripts? Is it web series? Right now, right is now, it, we are still. It's still. I'm. It's a little. It's a little premature for me to speak about it okay. because I want to. Uh, that's why if you go to the website, it says it's still baking. Nice. Okay, it's still baking. So we, uh, I want the product to be baked before I go out and say exactly what we're doing because we are also uh, like I said out of the blue we decide to do something so we are also finding our feet saying this is an area and because I come from the entertainment business I also know what are the strengths weaknesses and I don't come from only the creative side I understand the the business business. I know the business side Uh, so 
I think we are that way strategically, uniquely positioned, which nobody else has. Yeah. Okay. All all parts of we know, understand marketing, we understand sales, we understand the business, we understand creative, we the whole gamut we understand. So we are trying to say, how do we then leverage the experience that have built, the relationships we have built? How do we leverage it to an extent where it's a win-win situation for everybody? Besides this, we are also doing some consulting work. And that's the low-hanging fruit, which keeps the house going. So you are the butterfly who was tied to a stone. Then you cut the thread. You didn't know which way you were going to fly. I still and don't know which way I'm going to fly, but, but I know that I'm but flying. But the butterfly found a fireplace and is baking the cake. Yes. And the cake will soon be ready. Inshallah. What is happening in the meanwhile to Raj Nayak, the person? Besides being sometimes grouchy at home. No, no. <laughs> I'm just joking. I'm not grouchy at home either. Raj Naik, the person, has realized that uh, God has been extremely kind. I have food on my table and roof on my head. Uh, one daughter is married, okay? The other daughter has finished her education and uh, she will pursue her career. So whatever I do, I want to do it with a purpose to spread cheer in whatever way I can and in the process, be happy. I want to, you know, I, I keep saying this, that, you know, when you die, irrespective of the religion you belong to, they give you a bath, they rip you in a white cloth, and then depending on uh, in, uh, in your wedding sari or in your suit, yeah, they will either bury you or they'll burn you or they'll feed you to the vultures. It's everything. It's okay, same. and they'll, they'll make you nanga. They'll take all your belongings away, right? Maybe your wedding ring or your watch or something, they may keep on the thing. But basically they do. And there are only two things you carry to your grave. One is your memories. You know? And memories is such a funny thing that half you leave and half you take. You leave back memories. And the other is your goodwill. You know, people talk nicely. So I keep telling people, you know, we are all going to die. When we come into this world, we announce when we are coming. There's a nine months notice period. But when you're dying, nobody knows. You don't know what's going to happen to you and me tomorrow. So my philosophy is very simple. Live each day as a king. Live as if there is no tomorrow. And more importantly, create as many memories as possible. Because if I ask you what you got on your 21st birthday, you won't remember. But any trip you made anywhere in your life, if I tell you, remember that trip, close your eyes, you will remember from the time you left your home till you came back. Right. So I say create as many memories as possible and as much goodwill as possible. And that's my motto in life. It has been absolutely wonderful talking to you because um, meeting you has lifted the veil. Uh, one thought of you as uh, just a business head or a creative head in a channel and talking to you is uh, a Pandora box of memories and a character is revealed in the way he remembers and stores his memories. Thank you. And you have a way of uh, really keeping them in muslin cloth because it comes out in the right colors and fragrance <laughs> at the right time. Yeah. So absolutely wonderful. Yeah, thank you so you. much. And I'm so happy that uh, a, I've never done. A, I've heard a lot of podcasts. I've never done a podcast in my life. This is the first time I'm doing one. And I couldn't have been more happy than doing it with you, Bhavna. Thank you. Thank you so much. Thank you for tuning in. If you have liked this episode, do comment. Do rate on Apple Podcasts. Subscribe on your favorite podcast app like Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Hubhopper, CastBox, Spotify, GeoSavan, so that you get notified when we come next. Stay tuned for the next episode 
with yet another guest and until then take great care of yourself <laughs>